Test, test. That's good. We're looking good. All right. Uh, welcome to our podcast for consumer behavior. Uh, my name is Noah Simpson. I'm Gabe Nelson. And I am Bree Burner. This is episode one of our interview with Bree Burner and her job at Discovery Benefits. Uh, we're just going to go in depth a little bit more about consumer behavior and her experience. So stay tuned. So we're going to start off by you having to introduce yourself, give us some background, kind of where you grew up, how you decided on what you wanted to do with your career in life. Sure. Yeah, I'm Bree Burner. Um, I am an NDSU alum. Um, I graduated um, with a print journalism major back in 2013. Um, going in, I was, you know, thinking print, but then the tail end of my um, schooling here at NDSU, I kind of changed my mind on my direction and fell in love with broadcast um, video. Um, I, one of my last classes I took was a broadcast journalism class. Um, and then that led me to a local TV news station here in Fargo um, that I started um, my last semester of school. And then that led to my first full-time job out of school. Um, I w- became a TV news producer and I did that for about four and a half years. Um, we can definitely get into that a little bit later, but um, that was really great experience. Um, I learned a lot about um, priority management, um, um, news judgment. Um, yeah, I learned a lot. I can get into that later. Um, and then that led to um, my current role as a content specialist at Discovery Benefits. Awesome, thank you for that little intro. Um, do you mind telling us a little bit more about what Discovery Benefits does and how your uh, specific roles, role plays uh, within the company? Absolutely, yeah. So Discovery Benefits, um, based out of Fargo, um, we administer healthcare benefits um, to employers ac- across the country. So things like um, flexible spending accounts, health savings accounts, and even COBRA. Um, so we try to make the process as easy as possible um, in implementing the plans and administering those plans. So um, what I do as a content specialist is manage and write the content for our knowledge base, which is basically a search engine kind of like Google. So we um, have this search engine available for our customers and internal um, folks as well, where they can ask any question they have related to their plans or internally to help um, clients as they call in, um, and we answer their questions for them. Um, so we probably have about 600 articles now um, that are live, and we're constantly writing more as um, our customers search the knowledge base. Would you say those articles are kind of the main thing you do then? Yeah, those are the main thing, or that's the main thing I do. Um, I do a lot of other back-end things. Um, We kind of get into reporting and analytics. Um, That really helps us generate new content. Um, So if we see um, a trend as far as something that people are searching a certain time of year, um, and we realize they're not really answering their question, they keep, we can see in the reporting, oh, they're searching for this, and I don't think they're getting their answer. Well, we'll create a new article on that. Um, and then we like to fit that in with our existing ecosystem. So we'll link out to other relevant articles. So everything is linked really well. The articles are really short. We call them 
we want them to be bite-sized pieces. So we don't want our customers to have to scroll through a bunch of text to try to find their answer. We want each article to answer one single question. So that's really our focus. Awesome. Those uh, analytics sounds like a great way to uh, target those consumer those specific consumer behaviors and give them exactly you know what they're looking for and improve on on that a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so in terms of the content that you do produce for for uh, the knowledge base, what specific language do you use to get your company's knowledge base the best exposure possible? Sure. So we actually call this taxonomy. We have our own taxonomy at Discovery Benefits, and our team really owns that, um, most of it. And so we try to be really consistent with the taxonomy or verbiage that we use. So there's a lot of... Um, there are a lot of patterns within the articles um, where, um, let, let's say we have a disclaimer in an article, we'll have it written the exact same way in another one, if that applies as well. But as far as taxonomy and certain um, words, we make sure that they are consistent in every single article, which really helps with the search too. So let's say someone searches FSA and then contact solution, that'll generate an article on eligible expenses for your FSA. Um, and that'll help them get to their answer. So the more consistent we can be, the stronger the search and more successful searches. So you get more, coming back to analytics and all that stuff with making those, does it help getting more people through the website, getting more questions? And even if you get more problems, just using that information to improve the stuff? Absolutely, yeah. Um, the more um, our customers search the knowledge base, the stronger it gets. Um, organically, um, the top hitting articles will kind of generate um, up top. Um, and then the low hitting articles after every year, we kind of take a look, oh, what's not really getting hit? Oh, this doesn't have many hits. We can actually just archive this because if it's really not serving a purpose, we don't need it there. Um, and so if we see um, we're getting a lot of um, searches on something that we don't really dive into much, that is a great opportunity to create new articles just on that. So really, our customers using it is what makes it so successful. That's something cool that I think uh, with digital content compared to traditional content is that you'll be able, you're able to, to measure on you know, what people are searching for. Are they find, finding it relevant? Um, you know, do we want to you know, push this article to the top rather than another article? So I just think it's cool how we can measure and, and give people exactly what they, they really want. Exactly. And we also are really careful not to kind of shove it down our customers' throats like, oh, use the knowledge base. I mean, yes, we do advertise it. Um, and our sales and marketing team does a great job of that. And it is a great selling point um, to have a knowledge base. But we really want to make we th are thinking about the content and customer experience like that's our top priority and so we want it to be exposed in really natural places so for example our public knowledge base is linked right out of our discovery benefits homepage, and it's there's just a button that says get help and it takes them right to the knowledge base so it's a really natural transition if if they have questions they're going to click get help they're going to ask their questions and hopefully they will get that answered Obviously, it's a little more of the marketing side and not so much yours, but how do you kind of balance that getting discovery benefits out to consumers and trying to get them to stay with you guys? Yeah, um, our main purpose is to help people, um, and we want them to feel like we 
they're in great hands and we care about them. Um, so with my role and with the knowledge base, we want to um, make sure that they know that they don't need to use it, but they always have that option if they have a, any sort of question about their plan. They don't need to wait on the um, phone lines to get their questions answered and talk to someone. They can just search on their own time and get their answers. Would you say that that is an advantage that Discovery Benefits offers over some of your guys' close competitors then? Yeah. Some of our competitors do have a knowledge base as well, um, but we really – and we've gotten great feedback on the way they, the way we're consistent with our taxonomy, like we talked about earlier, um, and how the ecosystem is, and how everything is linked together. Um, so it's all just very natural for if a customer has a question on something, they most likely have a question about something else. We'll link them right to that other article. Um, so we try to do that. Another thing that is really neat that we're starting to do more and more is. Um, I won't get too into it because it's there's a lot to it, but we call them guided helps. So the best way to explain that is it's kind of like an article. Um, it's a bunch of articles within one that I have to build on the back end. Um, it takes a long time, but it's really cool. So the idea of that is, let's say um, a customer has a question on something. Um, they'll click on this guided help, and it'll ask, you know, It'll ask a question and then they'll click yes or no, and that'll take them to the next question, click yes or no, and it feels very customized. Um, so as you can imagine, it's like it looks like a huge web on the back end. It takes a long time, but really it's like the best way to make it super customized for someone. So yes, no, okay, let's skip to the next so they don't have to read, you know, content that's irrelevant. Yeah, just kind of keeping everything on the consumer side simple and easy. Yes, sim simple. That is definitely what we want. Mm -hmm. So in terms of your knowledge base, what are some of your biggest challenges that you see with um, gaining those new customers and having them come back for, for more searches in the long run? Um, so you could you repeat the question? You said what's... In terms of like not your knowledge base and like challenges within the knowledge base, mm -hmm. um, what makes customers want to come back for more or what may uh, keep them from coming back or their experience, I guess. It's uh, the successful searches. Um, yeah, that, that's the top thing. So if, if we want them to trust us. So if they're having a hard time um, getting their questions answered, they're going to want to give up. And so that's why it's so important for us to have the really short articles um, and to watch that reporting as much as we can to see what they are actually searching for um, and to make sure we get those articles out as soon as possible. Um, so that way we always have, you know, answers for people. Um, and we do have, I wish I had the actual stats, but we do have, um, compared to other knowledge bases, really successful searches when our customers do go in and search. I want to say it's like, it's in the 90, like 95% or 97%. So that's really great to see. <laughs> I'm sure those are goals that you guys have within Discovery Benefits to, to hit every year. Um, remind me, when did you start at Discovery Benefits? I started, it was May of 2017, and I actually didn't even start in this role. I started as more of a customer-facing role. So I was a benefits implementation manager. Um, I worked directly with employers and consultants to get benefits plans set up, um, which was 
a lot of fun. Um, and it was a lot, I had like a hundred clients at a time. So that was pretty crazy, (laughs) but, um, that was a nice transition from my, um, experience in the news because I was juggling so many things at once and had some, you know, very hard deadlines every single night. Um, so, you know, managing 100 clients did seem like a lot, but, um, I went in pretty confident that I could handle it. Um, and then this opportunity um, came and I took it and I'm, it, it was nice because now I have that experience and the knowledge of all these plans that I write about. So what made you want to make the jump from a probably more very public thing with the news and, <laughs> and a more of a consumer based discovery benefits plan company? Right. Um, well, I, I loved the news. It was really exciting. I learned a lot. Um, but the hours aren't really ideal. Um, my husband, I actually met him um, at the same news station. He was a reporter, um, but he um, went into marketing, um, eight to five job. And that was kind of difficult when I was working two to 11 every night. So um, I knew I had to make a change and it was, it was tough, but um, it was for the best. And I looked at discovery benefits because of the um, flexibility um, it does have the normal hours, but there's more to it. The culture is really great. For example, we have a slide in our <laughs> office. Um, I still haven't gone down it, but um, it's there. Um, so it they focus on you know work life balance. Um, so it's it's a great company to work for. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, I feel like work life balance is a, a big thing for a lot of companies these days. Um, people are really pushing for flexible work schedules and I mean, work-life balance, especially from being from the Twin Cities, you have traffic that you have to drive through every day. Uh, I know you have to don't deal with that in Fargo as much, but um, it's a big time commitment going to work every day. And yeah. You have things going on outside of their uh, of their work lives that they have to get done. So you can definitely see why you want to get away from that 2 to 11. Yeah. Time <laughs> mm-hmm. um, do, you, do you have a, a time where uh, an article has ever been misunderstood? Uh, within the knowledge base or even going back to uh, your experience with the news? Uh, yeah. So related to discovery benefits, we see that in our, we actually call it failed search terms. So we can see there are some really consistent terms they're using and they're not getting to the right article. Um, so that's an opportunity for us to add keywords um, to improve the search. Um, but we have seen um, some where we can tell that our customers are getting frustrated if you know they're misinterpreting an article. So one example of that is um, it's one on eligible expenses, and there are so many that we just cannot list them all out. And so I think um, one misconception is if you click on this article, you will see all of them, but you will not. <laughs> so we we um, provide some common ones, and then we link out to an actual interactive list. So sometimes it's just when they're not getting to the answer right away. We'd love for that to happen, but sometimes it just isn't realistic. Another one is we have one on medical claim denials, which if you get your claim denied, you're not going to be too happy. So sometimes we get poorly rated article, yeah, poorly rated articles like that one, just because of the nature of the content. Um, And then as far as the news, um, trying to think of how that applies. Um, I mean, yeah, you have to be really careful to not be misleading. Um, and so you really have to focus on the facts. 
um, what we know, what we don't know, um, and try to be as um, just straightforward as possible. Um, because when you kind of veer away from that, that's when articles can get misunderstood. Is that kind of what you did when you were at the news as you were go and find articles and then find a way to present them to the public or what did you do there? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty close. Yeah, I was a producer, so I wrote the scripts um, that the anchors would read um, for the five, six, and 10 o'clock newscasts. And then during the live shows, I was back in the control room um, managing live shots. And um, let's say there was breaking news, I'd be talking to the anchors in their ears <laughs> or the reporters, um, and I'd make sure everything was good to go for a live shot. You know, I had to make calls, make sure we had the latest information, and update the scripts as needed. So there were definitely times where I would be making changes to the show during the show, um, which was pretty exciting. Exciting and stressful. And stressful, very stressful, but it, um, it was kind of a thrill. And, and like afterward, you feel so proud and um, it, it was a really rewarding job. Mm -hmm. There was one time there was an explosion that happened. It was a train derailment and that had happened right before the newscast. And then mid-newscast, um, the explosion like reignited, like it had simmered, but then it reignited and we were able to get that live. Um, on air. And so we had to scrap some of our stories that we already had ready. But of course, that is more newsworthy than, you know, <laughs> a lighter story that, yeah, kind of a fluffy story. Yeah, so those exciting stories, I'm sure, are, it's a fun day at the news station. Definitely. Oh, for sure. You know, would you say if you had better hours, would you have, would you have stuck around maybe a little longer? I, I think I would have. Yeah. Um, yeah. It it's seems like an exciting environment to work in. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I, kind of started um, here at NDSU. Um, I was involved in the Bison Information Network, BIN. Um, so I got some good experience there. And it's funny because my husband was involved, but he graduated a year before I did. And so we just kind of, even though we took a lot of the, yeah, we missed each other, even though we took a lot of the same classes, um, I actually didn't meet him until um, the news, so. Did you recognize him at all, just in like classes or anything I like that? Um, I recognized him because he um, had started at a different local station um, when I was still in school here. And so in my broadcast classes, my professors would use him as an example. Oh, we have an NDSU grad, Aaron Berner, and um, he has a really low voice. And so um, they would talk about him, show clips of him. And so I had, I knew who he was. Had eyes on him. <laughs> yeah. So we like to joke about that. <laughs> yeah, that's a good story. Mm-hmm. Um, Back in one of the concepts Gabe and I wanted to, to cover was comprehension. So kind of moving back towards discovery benefits. Um, how do you make sure potential customers understand what your company is trying to do for them? Um, I know you said this applies more to your sales and marketing team um, when trying to acquire a new business, but um, just the features of the knowledge base when they, when they meet potential clients slash consultants. Yeah, so they like to just show how the knowledge base works. Um, and that has been a really great selling point because it does show like they don't have to call in. Sometimes that, I mean, this day and age, you don't want to be waiting on the phone. Um, you just want to get your answer right away. And so that, that's really huge. And so they just explain um, how, how that works. They show it. Um, they show how the search works. Um, and that, yeah, that's been a great selling point. Awesome. Uh, so kind of jumping back to getting into what you did, or kind of how you chose print media, journalism, 
um, discovery benefit, you said making articles for the knowledge base. What intrigued you about the journalism, print journalism, however you want to dice it? What intrigued you about that? Yeah, so I have always loved writing. Um, like English was always my favorite subject in school. I'm not a math and science person at all. Um, so I've always loved writing. I love art. Um, I love, you know, expressing myself creatively. Um, and um, I wanted to make an impact somehow. So it seemed like a really great um, choice for me um, to really um, pursue my passions um, and also make a difference. Um, so that's why I was so interested in journalism. And I never really considered broadcast until, yeah, my last semester when I took just one like intro to broadcast class. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is really fun. Um, I even, you know, had the camera and I was shooting video. I didn't do that when I was actually in the news, but um, doing that in school and just making stories from scratch and interviewing people, that was so much fun to me. Mm -hmm. Did you ever have when you were doing the news stuff some something with somebody who came up and was not happy or angry with something you guys were covering in the news or thought you were covering it wrong? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the controversial stories, you can expect to get some, you know, angry calls. Um, yeah. Uh, so that, that was kind of tough sometimes, um, taking those calls. Um, and I think of even weather. Um, sometimes we would have to um, break into... Um, other programming um, <laughs> so if it happened during Dancing with the Stars people were not happy but you know <laughs> but um, that is very newsworthy um, if there is severe weather so um, we would get a lot of angry calls during those times <laughs> so in terms of uh, discovery benefits again um, what are some of the biggest changes you've seen at the company while you've since you've started to, to where you are now um, well, the latest change is um, we were, um, excuse me, we were acquired by Wex, um, a global company. Um, and so that um, happened earlier this year. And um, not much has really changed for us um, at Discovery Benefits, um, but that has been a big change um, as far as um, that. Um, um, other changes, well, when I um, started at Discovery Benefits back in 2017, that's actually when my current boss started as well. We started on the same day. And so we didn't have a knowledge base before that. Um, and so she really, she had experience in that. Um, and so she was the one who really started it. And then I was the first employee on her team. Um, so that was, I mean, that's been a really big change for the company too. And we're constantly growing that and exposing it more. Yeah. It's really cool that you guys see the, the creation of the knowledge base. So you've been there exactly. since, since day one. Yeah, yeah. And it's really fun to kind of bounce ideas off each other of different exposure points. Um, I just thought of another good example. Um, we One of our top call drivers, call generators, is um, password resets. So a client can't get into their account because... Um, you know, they forgot their password. So there, we have so many people calling about that. So what better way to help them than the knowledge base? But the tricky thing is you have to log into the knowledge base. Um, so that's why we decided, one of the reasons we decided to create a public one where we have certain articles where you don't need a login. And so on our um, page to that um, our clients try to log into, so the login page, um, 
on this login page, they are able to um, just click, you know, need help. And then it'll take them to those public articles on steps to reset their passwords rather than them having to call in. Sweet. Yeah, that sounds like a, a great opportunity to, to help consumers out and probably gain a lot more people when they realize how easy and quick that can be to, to reset a password rather than calling and waiting. Exactly. For, for hours or however long. Um, so do you, do you guys have any goals within uh, your department moving forward for the future? Yeah, so we want to have um, even more exposure points. Um, so I talked about how um, with the online or uh, login articles, um, that's for our participants, but we want to have an exposure point for our clients. Um, so that would be like the employer. Um, and so we want to do that. Um, we want to have more of those guided helps like I talked about where a question leads to another question and then all of their questions are answered. Just boom, boom, boom. So we want to have more of those. Um, and currently all of ours are internal. So really it would be great for those to be external. So that's um, what we're really pushing for this year. Awesome. Uh, well, that brings us to about 25 minutes, I believe. Um, but it's been great talking and learning more about discovery benefits and, and your background and how you have uh, done post-graduation from NDSU. It's really cool to, to see the success story from a recent graduate. Um, so Gabe, unless you have anything else to say, I think we're going to wrap it up. That's all I've got. Go Bison. Go, Go Bison. <laughs> Thanks, guys.